Hi, I'm Bobby, and I'm your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Welcome to your weekly meeting of Pop Culture Fanatics Anonymous. Holiday time means good times with good people and just an overall jolly good feeling. We get characters like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, and of course Santa Claus to spend every single holiday season with. And they've quickly become symbols of the holiday season and it makes us feel good. But what about those characters who aren't exactly the most jovial for the season? What about those characters that, for lack of a better term, are a bit of a Grinch? The Grinch is one of the most prominent holiday figures and yet the grouchiest and crabbiest of the bunch, but why are we so enamored with him? This week, we're taking a deep dive into the pop culture history of the original mean one, the, 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 the Grinch. So if that sounds good to you, let's get started. So, the pop culture journey of the Grinch starts all the way back in the first half of the 20th century, obviously with the books. Obviously, How the Grinch Stole Christmas is a very, very popular book written by Dr. Seuss, aka Theodore Seuss Geisel. We all know it. We've probably all read it, I would assume. Um, and But did you know that the Grinch actually was mentioned a little bit earlier than the children's book. The children's book came out in 1957 and the first use of the word Grinch was used as early as 1953 in a book called Scrambled Egg Super, which was like one of the books that was kind of taken out of the, the Seuss rotation of, of books. Um, so it's not one that's super readily available, but the word Grinch was used first in in that book of course by dr seuss and then again it was used in 1955 in an issue of red book in a poem even though in that poem it's not really like talking about the being the grinch is more of just a term for someone who's being a little bit crabby and mean and rude obviously so that brings us then to 1957 with how the grinch stole christmas which is the book which was massively successful, literally just peak successful, super successful book for Dr. Seuss, um, read by millions of children the world over, probably still read to this day, if I had to guess. And yeah, it's a book that kind of spawned this entire franchise for this one character. Of course, just to lay the groundwork, because the story will be the same for pretty much every iteration um of course as you remember the story of how the grinch stole christmas it follows the grinch he lives on high on top of this mountain whose name i'm completely forgetting and he lives on this mountain and he lives above the who's in whosville uh the who's in whosville like they go all out for christmas like they are that family in your neighborhood that like has oodles and oodles of lights and blow up things in their yard and like fake snow if you live in a place where it doesn't snow like they okay christmas is their thing so imagine that family but a whole town everyone in the town is like that that's the who's in whoville so the grinch lives on high he watches them and their their holiday cheer really just irks the hell out of him and so he's like you know what i'm gonna put a stop to this i have seen enough i have heard enough i will not deal with their christmas cheer and so he pulls together this very fiendish plot to uh basically 
ransack all the houses in Whoville on Christmas Eve and steal all of their presents that Santa has gifted to them, um, thinking that that will stop their Christmas cheer. And then, of course, you know, Christmas is not about toys or whatever it is. It's about the people and, you know, community, blah, 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 whatever, right? So then the Grinch is moved by this this massive display of love and compassion. Um, and his heart, which was three sizes too small, grows three sizes too big, which sounds like a medical issue, but, you know, it is what it is. And he's forever changed. End of story. We all kiss, make up, and go home. That's how the Grinch stole Christmas. Very straightforward book because it's a children's book. Um, it was published by Random House in 1957. Um, it was also published in an issue of Red Book. And it is meant to be a, all Seuss books kind of have some type of, you know, you know, like big message, big picture, right? Um, you know, the Lorax talks about like, you know, like environmental issues and our need to protect the environment and protect the earth because we only get one. Um, and the Grinch talks about commercialization of, of Christmas and the feeling that Christmas is only about the things that you get and, you know, presents and all that stuff. But it's not really about that. It's there are multiple reasons for the season. Yada, yada, yada. You got it. So the book, obviously, like I said, well received. People loved it. And so that eventually spawned them wanting to bring it into this at the time, very new medium of television. It was thought that children would, you know, enjoy it. And so the choice to turn it into a television series then came up or television TV movie special. How television worked back then in the day wasn't as uh, clear cut as it is now. So I guess it would be considered like a TV special, but it also could be considered a film pretty much. So it, it exists in that weird in between period, right? By 1966, how the Grinch Stole Christmas makes its way to the small screen, aka via television. And really, the special was started because of World War II. So, like I said, Dr. Seuss, whose real name was Theodore Seuss Geisel, he was too old for the draft at the time of World War II. So, in lieu of that, he decided to join the Signal Corps, which was basically a group that of directors, filmmakers, etc., that made movies to support the war effort. So it was through that that he would meet an animator by the name of Chuck Jones, which if you know anything about animation, you know that this he he is a big figure. He created Bugs Bunny. Like this is a big guy. He's a very famous uh, animator. One of my favorite things from Chuck Jones is uh, called Duck Amuck. It's kind of like widely considered to be like one of the greatest like pieces of of animation um and a lot of that can be credited to to chuck jones um also just he's just a really uh, an amazing like animator and a lot of looney tunes and everything he is kind of the mastermind that is that is that's he didn't create the looney tunes but he was a big big uh creative force behind it so through signal core they would meet and they both kind of convened together on wanting to do this, the special, um, for, for how the Grinch stole Christmas. So it was actually Chuck Jones who convinced Seuss to turn the book into an animated special. He was like, there's a market for it. People love animation. There's something here. We should do it. So they were like, okay, let's do it. And Seuss brought on Chuck Jones to do 
the animation for it. And if you're familiar with his style, you can definitely tell that like Chuck Jones's style is very present throughout this. Like it very much feels in the vein of Looney Tunes, especially around this time, which was like the mid 60s. Like it definitely has that that feel. So they're getting kind of the the process for creating this special together. They bring in a um, an actor by the name of Boris Karloff, and Boris Karloff is the um, he is both the Grinch and the the narrator, um, but he does not sing the song. The song is sung by Thurl Ravenscroft, which is an insane name, absolutely bonkers name um just for a person i that's nuts actually that's insane but thorough ravenscroft is the singing like he is the person who sings uh you're a mean one mr grinch and if you've heard that song you're like hmm, this guy kind of sounds very familiar i feel like i've heard his voice elsewhere well you have thorough ravenscroft was like a very prolific um singer but he also did a lot of voice work because he had a very unique deep voice um so if you've ever eaten cereal uh particularly frosted flakes he was the original tony the tiger um and he voiced them for a very long time um and he's also in the haunted mansion he he sings in the haunted mansion he has one of the like singing busts and actually <laughs> if you've been on the haunted mansion this is for my disney parks people i promise i will go very quickly with this i won't stay on this for too long but if you've been to the haunted mansion and the part of the ride where they get to where the bus star thorough ravenscroft is the one that kind of looks like walt disney and a lot of people think is walt disney it's not it's it's thorough ravenscroft so he sings on that he's singing the country beer jamboree pirates of the caribbean like he's he's everywhere he's also fritz in the enchanted tiki room so you know thorough's ravenscroft um but you also know boris karloff as well because he is the original frankenstein he was the first uh, he was like kind of one of the most prolific people to play Frankenstein, even though we haven't really gotten many more people <laughs> to play Frankenstein, to be fair. Um, but he was in the original like Universal Movie Monsters version of, of Frankenstein. And he is in this playing the wrench. So in during production of it, it actually came at kind of a goodish time for animated tv specials so it comes after a charlie brown christmas which was kind of was a bit experimental for its time um there no one really knew if people were going to be super receptive to it and so it didn't get a ton of budget as far as you know animating the thing goes now it made its money back for sure um but they it was good a little bit up in the air so because of the success of that and all the ratings that it it brought in um mgm who was producing the special how to how the grinch stole christmas gave them a budget of three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. now for animation at the time that was a lot of money for a tv animated special in like like mid 2010s money that's about like 2.4 million dollars to produce a animated tv special which is a good it's which is a really good amount of money uh to do that so they got quite a bit of money which was apparently four times uh more than what the creators behind a charlie brown christmas got so yeah and i think it, it works like the the 
production and animation for How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the animated special, still holds up, surprisingly. Um, and that's probably due in large part to its uh, pretty, pretty decent budget that it, that it got. So it premieres in 1966. It is given like kind of all of the, the pomp and circumstance. Um, it is this like a massive hit. People really, really love it. And obviously it is played for eons and eons and eons. Um, it feels, but it's played every single year and it's due in large part to the success of the, the, the first, um, the first premiere of it. And it's become, it's definitely like in the, the echelon of your, you know, our Charlie Brown Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, like things like that. Like they just have become classics to to provide a little bit more fun facts and maybe to answer a question that often gets asked i guess of um of the grinch i suppose so if you ever wondered why the grinch is green because he doesn't have to be green he just is green um if you read the original book the grinch was black and white because the book was mainly in black and white um but at the time of the special color tv was still relatively new so they with a little bit of the extra money that they had were like okay we're going to opt to make this a little bit more colorful and in turn the grinch you know becomes more colorful than just being black and white um so apparently chuck jones chose to make the grinch green kind of on a whim um he basically said that he kept getting rental cars that were in that specific shade of green and he was just like okay i'll just make the grinch this color green i wish it was a much more exciting <laughs> reason but he just i guess that that shade of green was top of mind and he is just like all right this is i keep getting this color green car so I'm making this character green and that is why the grinch is green so now you know there is actually, and this is not quite a holiday thing, but there is actually a sequel to this special. That's why I said it's a weird in-between of like a TV special and like a movie because it got a sequel and it got a sequel in, 19, in 1977, 1978 called Halloween is Grinch Night, which was obviously made for Halloween. Um, and it wasn't nearly as as popular as the original but it did win a primetime emmy for outstanding children's program in 1978 um and if you have seen halloween is grinch night that is quite a curious award to receive because it is not scary but it's not fun like <laughs> it's a um it's a i don't know it's got that very uh shaky 70s look to it and it's not quite, it doesn't look quite as the same as, as How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I imagine the budget was nowhere near uh, as much, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, there's technically a sequel to How the Grinch Stole Christmas called Halloween is Grinch Night. The full 25 minute special is on YouTube. You can watch it. I recommend it if you're interested in the Grinch as a character. And if you're interested in like a different kind of story for the Grinch, because most iterations of the Grinch tend to follow the same story that I told you at the top of the episode where he's like, oh, I hate Christmas. I'm going to steal their presents. And that kind of tends to be it. Um, 
But this is something completely different and arguably uh, something much scarier. Uh, so, you know, if you're interested, highly recommend you check it out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The Grinch has now, I think, cemented itself as like a Christmas classic, right? Like people are loving the Grinch. I think it, they love it because he's different. He's not in the, in the grand scheme of holiday time and, you know, the specials that we watch. They're all very saccharine and sweet and caring and wholesome. And I think the Grinch was just a really good interruption to that and gave us a character that eventually comes around to that you know, that feeling of, you know, feeling Christmas cheer and everything like that. But he's, he's pretty gruff on the surface, right? Like he is very kind of abrasive and not kind of, he's incredibly abrasive. Um, I have a running theory that the Grinch and Oscar the Grouch are somehow familial. Like I think they are in each other's family tree, perhaps cousins twice removed. I'm not sure, but the vibes they're green, they're scruffy, and they're mean. Um, so I feel like there's some there's some family ties going on there. Uh, don't quote me on that. But I think there's something there for sure. For sure. So moving on, we get the Grinch and kind of like other little little glimpses of of TV specials, especially like Seuss TV specials. Um, you get Halloween is Grinch night in 1982, um, Marvel greenlit a special or TV film called the Grinch Grinch is the cat in the hat. Okay. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Um, don't ask me. I don't know. We also get the Grinch in a couple of other Seuss themed things, uh, namely the short-lived I think show that was on Nick Jr. called The Webulous World of Dr. Seuss which is this like puppet show um with like Dr. Seuss characters it was mainly the cat in the hat um but other like Seuss characters make an appearance I think maybe the Lorax made an appearance I know like the Sneetches and everything like the like those characters that you know from the books they're all in that show um, and it was like a puppet show and a little side tangent fun fact. This is I'm letting you into the world of my brain. Like all these things are connected by little webs. And I like remember hearing one thing and then I'm like, ah, OK, yeah, I want to tie that together. 
The Webulous World of Dr. Seuss premiered in 1996, and if you may recall, another famous show for Nick Jr. also premiered in 1996, and that was a little show called Blue's Clues. So it was kind of, uh, I've told the story on a bunch of different platforms, but um, it kind of was a, a Lion King Pocahontas thing. If you don't know, famously, The Lion King and Pocahontas were in production at the same time at Walt Disney Animation Studios. Pocahontas was thought to be kind of the cash cow. That was going to be the big winner. It's going to pull in all the awards, et cetera, et cetera. And Lion King was kind of just like the B-team movie. Um, Lion King goes on biggest animated film of all time. And Pocahontas is a movie that happened. Um, the similar thing happening here with the Wobbless world of Dr. Seuss and with Blue's Clues. So Nickelodeon thought at the time, like, ah, this big property um, in the Wobbless world of Dr. Seuss, it's Dr. Seuss, it's timeless, kids love it. You know, a lot of the attention and focus from the network went there. Not to say that they didn't care about Blue's Clues, because clearly they did enough to <laughs> to green light it and put money behind the production of it. But it just wasn't the focus of the studio at the time. They were going to go with the property that's already kind of cemented itself. And so as it always goes, when you're not paying attention to one property, which we've seen time and time again, a couple weeks ago, I talked about DreamWorks doing the same thing to Shrek and it goes into the stratosphere being this massive movie the same thing happens to blues clues uh the wobbles world of dr seuss was not on for very long i don't think um not necessarily the most remembered thing in the world either um i think it's one of those shows that you're just like yeah yeah, I kind of I kind of remember that. But it only ran for two years, whereas Blue's Clues was the smash hit. Kids loved it. It ran from 1996 to 2006. In the first initial run, it got a ton of spinoffs and shows. And now it's got this new show called Blue's Clues and You. And it's every like it's this massive franchise. And it's funny to think that it didn't start out that way. Nickelodeon wasn't, you know thinking this is the ticket you know um so yeah that's as it always goes in pop culture we see it happen time and time again just a little side tangent a little fun fact for you you're welcome so moving back to other places that we've seen the grinch we saw him in a lot of 70s and 80s specials we saw him in the webulous world of dr seuss and now we see him in perhaps his greatest showing to me. It's my, it was one of my favorite Christmas movies. Depending on what, on what day you ask me, I would probably say this is my favorite Christmas movie. And that is the 2000 holiday classic, Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now, Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas is a film that has been in my life for a very long time before I even saw the full thing. Now, you know, when we go to school and elementary school, we have like Christmas parties and we watch movies and stuff. We weren't watching Ron Howard's The Grinch. I think it was because it was too scary. Um, and so I didn't see it in full until I was a little bit older. But the first place that I saw like mention of it or like saw a trailer for it was on... <laughs> Um, a VHS tape for Shrek. It was like, you know, how VHS tapes used to play uh, trailers for other things ahead of it. So they played the trailer for E.T., the 20th anniversary special uh, for uh, Spirit, the, the horse movie, um, and for 
Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And so because I wore that Shrek VHS out, I wore it out. That thing's got miles on it. I wore it out. I kept seeing this trailer for the Grinch for this movie. And so eventually I watched it for myself and it became one of my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite holiday movies. I love it. It's so fun. Obviously it's Jim Carrey as the Grinch, which what more can you ask for? Um, and it's this incredibly insane movie. And now as a you know, in my like pop culture analytical brain or whatever, I view it as like a great Christmas movie and just a great holiday film. But also it is one of the most ambitious and insanely effective feats of visual effects in, in, in film. I think it is, it's one of the greatest like showings of that via hair, makeup, and and costuming. Like they turn real people into who's and who's look not like real people they're kind of like very otherworldly looking um and so we'll get into it a little bit later but i just think the the visual effects and of of the film really kind of cemented the movie just beyond a holiday sense right because sometimes we we don't often think about holiday movies outside of the context of them being holiday movies like we don't talk about you know home alone and the greatest movies of all time conversation always because we're like well that's a it's a christmas movie so it's you know you're not judging it by the same brush as you would just like a regular a regular film but i really do think that the grinch should be considered amongst that conversation at least for like films with the best visual effects because my goodness it is it's insane like it's it's what it's nuts it's it is very very nuts um so Ron Howard's The Grinch is probably like one of the, I don't know, most prolific showings of The Grinch. And it starts exactly kind of how the other one does. The Grinch is Grinching out. Um, In this one, he's a little less. The funny thing is to watch throughout the, the pop culture journey of The Grinch is every iteration kind of captures a general essence of The Grinch. But there's also like little things in each one that kind of delineates one from the other um so the Grinch in the first one was kind of just this very like super grouchy guy like doesn't want to be bothered like could care less like very dejected but just is like annoyed obviously at the incessant cheer of these of these who's and then Ron Howard's the Grinch he or how the Grinch stole Christmas in that version the Grinch is a lot more uh, proactively antagonistic. Like he is a lot more like pranky and he like wants to go out of his way to inconvenience the Who's. <laughs> like he goes out of his way to to wreak havoc on these very innocent people. And not to, well, m- most of them very innocent. Obviously in this movie, we get the backstory that the Grinch was actually raised by Who's and he was obsessed with Martha May Houvier, um, who's played by Christine Baranski, who is like the only one who doesn't have a Grinch nose. Um, or like doesn't have a super pronounced one. It's weird. Um, but he has this crush on her 
And everyone is like, oh, she'll never like you because you're green and hairy. And that's what causes his villain origin story to like hate the who's. Um, And then he eventually, you know, comes around. But like for the most part, like he's constantly trying to wreak havoc on them, seemingly outside of a Christmas context. That seems like year round he is causing trouble and mayhem um for, for, for the who's for things um so ron howard's the grinch i think has a lot of you know moving parts to it like i said it's this really good holiday film but it's this really good visual effects uh feet obviously the the makeup and and hair were done by the Im- absolutely incredible rick baker if you you know rick baker you've seen his work like he is just the the top of the heap when it comes to 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 makeup and hair for um for film especially like special effects makeup and hair like he's done like quite a bit of of stuff and it took a really long time to to fine tune how the Grinch was going to look. So a lot of the the feats of special effects um, for Rick Baker and his team came down to figuring out a way to create the Grinch that harkens back to the original book and the the animated TV special and feels not too scary because the Grinch is not, when translated to real life, could be incredibly terrifying, um, but also could be a little too cartoony if they lean too heavily into prosthetics and then also they had the added layer of making sure that Jim Carrey's incredibly animated expressions could still shown through the the makeup so they're juggling all of that at one time and they went through multiple tests where they went from putting him into really heavy prosthetics to where you can't really tell it's Jim Carrey underneath all of the prosthetics. They went to just kind of painting him green and <laughs> they, they were just like, eh, it's probably not gonna, uh, not gonna work. And I think some studio executives were like, what are you going to do? Just paint Jim Carrey green. And so they tried and they were just like this, you know, this isn't really anything. And then Rick Baker himself does a a makeup demo to show like okay i think i found the perfect balance um but in order to do it i've got to put it on myself so that you know people can see what it'll look like and then we'll put jim in it if you guys like it um so on youtube you can find a um a a video of rick baker in the grinch makeup and it shows that like kind of anyone could be the the Grinch visually obviously like as far as how he he acts and everything that's definitely a lot of of Jim Carrey um but the makeup ended up looking great and so that I think helps in large part with the timelessness of this film is the fine tuning that Rick Baker had done to figure out how this character that has only existed within the context of a an animated book a 2d book and then a 2d animated tv special how do you bring that into how do you how do you bring that into this full body person and obviously he figured it out that coupled with the amazing costume design of rita ryak who costumed all the who's in these very whimsical outfits like the who's are so fun to look at from a costume perspective 
in every scene that they're in because they're very over the top. They're very holiday cheer. Like their hair is super crazy. Like, you know, the things that they're wearing and everything, like it's all like very functional, but fun fashion, right? So Rita Ryak pulled a lot of inspiration for the Who's wardrobe from the 50s, which would make sense from when the book was coming out. And to research, Ryak would consult 50s cookbooks, especially for the the food themed outfits. Um, if you remember, Cindy Lou Who and her family are in, I think it's like for the holiday hubilation or whatever, which is the big celebration festival thing. Um, they're wearing like picnic basket themed outfits. And they're just very, they're just very adorable. Also, Speaking of adorable, for a lot of the costumes, Rhea Ryak actually, like the ones that look like they were made by little kids, they were actually were made by little kids. She consulted a class of second graders to help create a lot of the hubilation costumes. And it is the most adorable thing I've ever seen. It is so, it's so precious. One thing that's not so precious is that obviously with a film like this and the special effects of it, it comes with a lot of, of grunt work and that manifested itself in um, Jim Carrey being in in makeup for hours on end, hours to get into the makeup, hours to get out of the makeup, and it was driving him insane. Um, obviously, you know, rightfully so. I think by the time they were able to get the process down it maybe took about four hours but it started off at like eight so like eight to get him into the Grinch garb eight to get him out like it was insane like eight hours is a long time to get someone into a costume you then do a full day of shooting and then another eight to get them out of the costume or like six or four whatever it is like a lot of time to to do that and so um in that kerfuffle Jim Carrey was he kind of blew his lid a little bit out of frustration because he felt like he was suffocated by the makeup it was very like and if you look at it it's very like intense makeup it's not just like you know a little bit of foundation and we're calling it a day um it was he was very you know it was a lot that was that was going on so one day he kind of blows up at this member of the, the makeup team named Kazuhiro Suji and he yelled at him so bad that it caused Kazuhiro Suji to leave the production he was like I'm not coming back I'm not going to be yelled at like I'm just not going to do that and so um basically the filmmakers are Ron Howard producers and Carrie had to call Suji themselves and ask him we please like return to to the production of the film and Suji being the big thinker the being the big thinker that he was he was like I will come back if you help sponsor my application for my green card. And they did. They held him. They held to that. Suji got his green card and he also got an Oscar for his work on The Darkest Hour. I mean, if that's he's the MVP of this movie. I'm just saying. So that's one of my favorite pop culture uh, stories like him leveraging his his uh, his situation to to lead, which led him to an Oscar, which is incredible. Um, so like I said, so many visual special effects on, on the Grinch that are just amazing. This is coupled with the fact that Jim Carrey is absolutely hilarious in this movie. Um, there are just certain parts of this movie that I watch it pretty much every single year and I laugh pretty much every single time I see anything, um, 
from from this movie it, it never fails to make me laugh i think it's one of the greatest holiday movies ever um it's super fun i have so many other fun facts about the grinch and i made a video last year on tiktok which did really really well um and i think i i there's even more things to talk about with the grinch so i might do a little bit of a continuation um for that but this is probably the biggest showing of of the grinch uh I think this is the version that people super remember. And I think it's either due in part to the bringing this very whimsical world into, you know, the real world and how they did that and how well they did that. Um, or Carrie's like, you know, really physical comedy and like even just some of the, just the writing is just super fun. Even though he, I think he ad-libbed like quite a bit of, of stuff. Um, it's one of my favorites. So the the pop culture journey of the Grinch kind of does come to a bit of a halt around this time. Uh, we don't really see much from him because I really do think how ah, the Grinch stole Christmas kind of knocked it out of the park, honestly. Um, like, I think so many people were like, yeah, we don't need another one. I don't think. I think we're good. But capitalism uh, is a never ending machine. And if you have an idea that has been, you know, done well and you've kind of laid it to rest capitalism will find a way to resurrect it and and do it again uh even when no one truly asked um and so that's how you get the the 2018 grinch uh which is animated uh cgi animated so the grinch has kind of run the gamut of all representations like he's kind of touching every little bit of uh every corner uh, possible pretty much but then we get the um the Grinch it's just called the Grinch because uh, I think most people were calling the Ron Howard movie just the Grinch but this one is simply called the Grinch and it came out in 2018 it stars uh Benedict Cumberbatch as as the Grinch which I think was a choice certainly um an interesting one at that uh just I <laughs> It was a very interesting choice. Um, but it was released on November 9th to 2018. So a little bit early, a little bit before the official holiday season. But uh, it brought in $512 million. It's technically one of the highest, if not the highest grossing Christmas film of all time. And it is the highest grossing Dr. Seuss film of all time, for sure. Now, I, I don't want you to think that I'm completely against the, the Seuss, the Seussiverse, the Seuss cinematic universe films, because I love Horton Hears the Who. But this, this, uh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. You're right. Um, I think when I was talking about the Grinch, the Grinches, um, being different in every single iteration. This one is no different. This Grinch to me just kind of felt bored. He just feels bored. Like he's like, he's similar in the vein of the first Grinch, like the animated special Grinch, where he's just kind of like, he doesn't want to be bothered and he's over it. But this one just seems just like, like just completely bored. <laughs> start to finish um it's similar in the vein of story nothing too too crazy nothing too too different but um you know some things are are thrown about but i mean with 512 million dollars at the box office somebody like this so 
you know, hats off to 2018 Grinch, I guess. But that kind of brings us to the end of the Grinch's pop culture journey. Um, He is one of those Christmas figures that I think people love. And um, if you've walked into any Home Goods, TJ Maxx or Marshalls, uh, moms really love the Grinch. I think it's like like a fun little cheeky like, oh, like I hate Christmas, but I secretly really love Christmas. Like I think he's become the... <laughs> the the figure for that type of like vibe like you will find Grinch stuff a plenty uh, I feel like you can find the Grinch easier than you can find Santa um but the Grinch has just quickly become and I say quickly because it's right at about 50 years old um as far as like the character's recognition goes um like a 50-ish year old property that has quickly become a an easy symbol of the holiday season but I think the story of it is pretty timeless I think the message of you know not making the holiday so commercial is very interesting especially in retrospect to the fact that it has gotten three different films slash specials um it's an interesting conundrum to to consider but I I I love the Grinch obviously I wouldn't spend damn near an hour talking about the Grinch if I didn't love him I just think I am a sucker for a bit of a cynical character um that secretly has a heart of gold and uh, the Grinch is so indicative of that and I will definitely be watching uh Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas once again like I do every year I will be watching it again this year with pride because I love the Grinch I hope you enjoyed today's episode, Afternooners. If you don't know, the Afternooners is my name for all of us. So if you've made it to the end of the episode, congratulations. You're an Afternooner now. If you like this episode, don't forget to rate and review this podcast. If you had a good time and helps out the pod, you get to tell me how you're feeling about the pod. And I get that sweet hit of praise and validation that is my life force and keeps me going. If you want to know where else to find me on the internet, you can find me at The Afternoon Special on TikTok or Instagram or over on Twitter at Hi, I'm Bobby, H-I-I-M-B-O-B-B-I. And if you're thinking, Bobby, I need to binge every Grinch thing imaginable, uh, especially that Halloween is Grinch night thing. I think I'm ready to 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 divulge into that. Um, go for it. Um godspeed but uh when you're ready i've left all of that information in the description down below just for you you're welcome uh, as you could probably tell i spent a lot of hours a lot of hours researching that scruffly green man grinch person and uh, that means i put on a little bit of music while i'm doing so and so this week's episode was powered not by a hollow <laughs> not by a holiday song <laughs> But you know me, I've I've recommended a couple K-pop songs here um, every once in a while, but I have a new obsession, guys, and it's Stray Kids. The group is called Stray Kids, and they have a song called uh, Backdoor, and uh, it's another one called Maniac, and another one called God's Menu, and I have been listening to those on repeat for the past week. I cannot free myself from listening to these songs, and I will be shocked if they don't uh, make it into my next year Spotify wrapped. I would be absolutely surprised by that. So that is my my holiday wreck. Um, but also, also just you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. I think it's great. Any version, 
any version of it. Um, I really I like Tyler the Creator's version for the 2018 Grinch is probably my favorite part of that film. Um, Jim Carrey's version is funny just from how he delivers the lines, but then also the original, the OG with Thorough Ravenscroft, uh, is it's just a classic. It always puts me in the Christmas spirit. So all the versions of how the of your mean one mr grinch as well as uh stray kids is was what this episode is powered by <laughs> i hope you enjoyed this week's chat and that you'll join me again next week for another pop culture deep dive later days friends hi just checking in and seeing if you might want to step away from the noise of the world for just a moment and connect back to you if so Join me on my podcast, Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion, where we'll explore mindfulness, self-love, and personal growth as I share practical insights and tools to hopefully help inspire you to start to take charge of your mental and emotional well-being. Search for Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.